Well, the world is in a difficult time. And there are occasions in our life when we see pain and we wish we could go back in time and do something different and make that thing not happen. People sometimes worry to themselves saying, if only. And they might say about what's happened in relationships or in health or education or employment or the world events, but we cannot change the past. Time machines don't exist. Whatever has happened in our life and whatever the consequences of those things are, we can't alter it. The past cannot be changed. At the start of our passage, Samuel is mourning the king. The king's not dead. But Saul has become not the king that Israel really needs. The Lord has decided that he won't be the king much longer. And Samuel, however, is focused on what if I had done things different? What if I'd said that? But although such thinking comes to mind, it's no use dwelling. The Lord knows this. So while the past can't be changed, the Lord gives Samuel a task. The past can't be changed, but the future can. He has to go and set things in place for God's people for the future. We are at a time when the future direction of God's people is unknown. What will the church look like in six months? What about a year? I think it may be radically different from what we knew last weekend. It already is in the fact that there's only four of us in the building. We also have to face the reality that without social distancing, our churches may lose some of our dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So I do urge you, please do not visit your friend or have anyone round that does not need to come round. But be at home. And that's difficult. Samuel is led by the Lord to Bethlehem in the south, and the village is well off the prophet's normal patch. And it's not a bit of wonder that the elders meet him with a degree of suspicion. What's he doing here? There's two possibilities that spring to mind. Has he come to scout the land because the king is planning to invade? They know that he's the king's man. Or has he turned against his king? And that, again, could mean Saul's troops are going to come. The clashes, should I stay or should I go, comes to mind. Is Samuel just trouble for Bethlehem? Or is he double? Yet he says that he is simply there to worship in different surroundings. And he's brought a heifer. And it's time for worship. 
it's time to gather people together differently. Well, the people must have known something was going on. Yet, they don't have any option but to play the game. And then, as they do that, they think, well, who is going to get anointed? Who is the oil for? And the natural thoughts lead Samuel, and probably others too, to think of the eldest. Oh no, it isn't him. What about the next eldest? He looks kingly enough. It's not him either. What about the third one? Or the fourth, or the fifth, or the sixth? Or even the seventh? Seven young men of Jesse come before Samuel. And none of them are right. Seven, that number of completeness that shows that everything is there. Everyone you could imagine. And yet it is not right. There has to be another. And then the Lord says, this one. That Samuel waited shows that he had faith in the word. But I wonder sometimes, when we try to do something, when we try again, when we try again and again and again, we might keep failing. Is that because it's wrong? Is it because we've not gone God's way yet? Do we keep going beyond a second attempt to an eighth attempt? Others might think us foolish. If we did, why not just take the first one? He looked as if he could be a king. He was handsome. He was big. But looks are not enough. We have to discern what's right. What's right in God's eyes. How does he want things to be? And when we are sure of what God wants, we must keep going. But what God wants doesn't necessarily match the shape we imagine. Don't go by the past appearance, but look at what matters to God. David actually is glowing with health. He has fine appearance, handsome features. He looks the business, but that isn't what made him the future king. When we look to the future, when we are next able to meet together, do we simply blow the dust off some things from March and start again with that same plan? Or do we take this period of enforced suspension in every church in the country as a sabbatical? Do we think we've got a clean slate Let's see what God wants to put on it. Let's not bumble forward automatically into the old, but seek God's path. The youngest might not have been what the brothers thought was right. It might not have been what Samuel thought himself. But the reality is that David 
is the man anointed, and he will be king. Someone in whom the Holy Spirit will do marvelous things and will lead him in a powerful way. Someone that's been called and equipped, even though others don't expect. May we, in these days, be led by the Holy Spirit along God's path, that we might have new hope and proclaim that God's life is here. Amen.